For KOSU, I'm Michael Cross, and it's time for This Week in Oklahoma Politics, along with Republican political consultant Neva Hill and civil rights attorney Ryan Kiesel joining me over Zoom video conference. Oklahoma loses its bid to get Panasonic to build its newest battery manufacturing plant in our state. Despite a nearly $700 million economic incentive, the Japanese electronics company decided it would move to Kansas. The goal of the plant is to move closer to Texas, where Tesla is located. Tesla also snubbed Oklahoma to move its plant to the Lone Star State. Neva, what do you think of Panasonic deciding against moving to Oklahoma? Well, obviously, big blow to the state. I mean, there's been a lot of emphasis, a lot of attention uh, on this particular project. And I think that, uh, you know, there are a lot of questions, obviously, uh, in terms of what the difference in the deals were. I mean, Kansas, uh, their legislature passed an incentive package that was somewhere well over a billion dollars. It it had tax credits, it had uh, uh, sales tax exemptions, it had, I think, relocation reimbursement, a lot of different incentives in that. They also had uh, a brand new facility location uh, that uh, that they had in the package. So uh, whether they continued to sweeten the deal and it just was a package that was too overpowering for Oklahoma for the Oklahoma package, I don't know. You know, certainly out of this, uh, I think it, uh, it it does pose the question. You know, going forward, I mean that these types of projects are are going to be more and more at the forefront for states to take a look at. I mean, Panasonic right now by their own admissions say they're going to, I think it's triple or even quadruple uh, their battery production capacity over the next several years. And when you talk about that, that means a lot of potential uh, uh, projects uh, like this on the board. So I think uh, the Department of Commerce made it clear that they are hopeful that there will be future discussions. Uh, I think uh, the the idea that uh, we're in the mix for something uh, short term certainly nothing nothing has come out to back that up. Um, it, it's less about being rumors and more about being I think hopeful uh, with these folks that are the project managers and the ones responsible responsible for trying to put these uh, put these projects and deals together. Ryan. Yeah, it is. It is a blow to the state. I, I think that if you what would be really amazing here is if the the uh, team of Panasonic that was charged with selecting a site for this battery manufacturing plant, which, you know, what, what an amazing technology to bring to your state uh, as, as more and more electric vehicles are coming online and battery technology seems to be at the forefront of a lot of American based technology uh, and manufacturing and jobs and you know, all of the things that go around that. Uh, it would be really amazing if the folks from Panasonic would say, hey, this is this is why we picked Kansas uh, and this is why Oklahoma didn't win out. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be a, uh, a memo that slams Oklahoma or, or, or praises Kansas so much as is to give policymakers some guidance and to, you know, what what could we have done better here? Uh, you know, there was a Kansas uh, newspaper report uh, over the weekend that seemed to indicate that one of the deciding factors, although I don't know how they know that it was one of the deciding factors, one of the deciding factors this reporter uh, uh, said was that there seemed to be a lack of legislative support or that there was a concern from Panasonic about a lack of legislative support in Oklahoma. And they went on to quote my good friend, Colin Walkie, uh, 
a Democratic House member from Oklahoma City criticizing the the Panasonic deal uh, in a way that, you know, frankly, I appreciate. I mean, I, I think that these big tax giveaway boondoggles uh, aren't, uh, especially whenever they're done totally in secret. I mean, you've got lawmakers signing non-disclosure agreements about how to spend hundreds of millions of our taxpayer dollars. So I agree with Representative Walkie, but the, the report seemed to indicate that Walkie was speaking for the Oklahoma legislature. And while I re- while I really wish that Colin Walkie spoke for the <laughs> Oklahoma legislature, he most certainly does not. He is in a decided minority in the Oklahoma legislature. And if you so I went back and I looked at the votes uh, and the votes in the Kansas legislature uh, to, to approve their deal and the votes in the Oklahoma legislature to approve our deal. I think that our votes were more overwhelming. I think that there was more legislative support in Oklahoma. So does that mean that we are outmaneuvered? I, we've heard about the governor of Kansas, you know, arranging to sit next to Panasonic executives at a meeting. Uh, I think in Washington, D.C. I also think it's worth taking a look at some of the comments that Representative Emily Virgin, leader of the Democrats in the Oklahoma House, brought up. And that is, you know, you have two legislative bodies here that were overwhelmingly interested in you know, trying to do everything they could to recruit Panasonic. But the difference is, is that you had one legislative body in Oklahoma that was also passing a bunch of uh, legislation that was incredibly restrictive, if not outright banning reproductive rights mm-hmm. uh, that attacked LGBTQ Oklahomans um, that created this environment that I think Panasonic may have said, you know what, we don't want to take our employees and we don't want to build a company in a state that is actively working to discriminate and limit the rights and freedoms of our prospective employees. And, you know, I think that's one of those narratives that that, that a lot of folks are trying to give traction to, but there's really nothing to support that, uh, at least that's come out to this point. I think, you know, I think, again, the takeaway is that the competition for these types of uh, uh, industries, and certainly the electronic vehicle, the battery market, is only going to grow and grow and grow. Uh, South Korea did a deal with um, um, General Motors where they're putting a new battery plant in Michigan. I think that was almost a $3 billion deal. So we're talking big money. We're talking a lot of jobs. It would have been 4,000 jobs was the number that was used uh, for this particular project had it come to Oklahoma. So uh, these are the kind of things if we're going to stimulate uh, and grow uh, the economy and certainly bring strong businesses into the state that can bring good paying jobs and uh, increase the the tax base and all that goes along with that. These are conversations that are important for the legislature to continue to have and certainly for any governor to be very proactive at the forefront of uh, being the the head person, salesman, salesperson, however you want to describe it, uh, to help make that happen. Well, one of the things that I I do hope happens, and I'll mention it again, is that I I hope that Panasonic, because I've got to assume that Governor Stitt uh, and the Secretary of Commerce and the entire team that was charged with trying to recruit Panasonic here, I've got to assume that they're reaching out to Panasonic right now to say, is there a piece of this pie that we can still have? Uh, But also to say, you know, let us learn from this. You know, what what could we have done better? And I, I, I would like to think that Panasonic would be forthright in telling Oklahoma, this is what we needed to see from Oklahoma that we saw in Kansas and we didn't see in you. And, you know, just like this week, I mean, the governor of the commerce team are in England uh, at a major uh, at a major exit. Uh, expo show that uh, is to generate uh, opportunities for business and industry to come to Oklahoma. And the competitiveness of this arena is something that I think everyone has to take into account and understand that we can talk about um, not liking some elements of that, but 
to be in the market, to be competitive, and to do what we need to do to gain um, success in bringing these jobs to Oklahoma, we have to continue to be very aggressive and very proactive about. The nearly $700 million to incentivize Panasonic is going back into the general revenue. Democrats are calling on lawmakers to put the money into core services and inflation relief. But Republicans say they have no plans to repurpose the money. Ryan, why do you, what do you think should be done with this funding? Well, well, first of all, let's let's kind of back up and look at what the Democrats are calling for tax cuts. Uh, you, you don't often hear Democrats you know, putting tax cuts at the forefront of their policy proposals. Now, of course, what Leader Emily Virgin and the, the leader of the Oklahoma House Democrats and the and the and the Oklahoma House of Representatives, what she's saying is that this money could help offset the cost of a grocery uh, uh, tax or a sales tax elimination in the state of Oklahoma uh, on groceries and limiting sales tax on groceries, I, I should say. Um, so she's saying that we could use this money to offset the cost to the state and that lost revenue. But again, it is interesting that you've got Democrats uh, out on the front lines of the saying, all right, well, the money's you know freed up now. Let's do some tax cuts. And that probably wouldn't be the case if we weren't experiencing uh, inflation that you know, we haven't seen in you know nearly 50 years uh, in the United States of America. And as Oklahomans are finding it harder and harder to make ends meet, um, you know, I visited with my, my grandmother uh, the other day, and one of the things that she'll always tell me is uh, you know, my nan gets on the phone and she'll tell me about her trip to Walmart uh, in Seminole. And so we went through, you know, she'll tell me that whole trip to Walmart and she's telling me uh, the prices. And, you know, she's she's over 90 years old and she knows prices and she can tell you what she paid three months ago versus what she paid uh, last uh, week for some grapes uh, in Walmart. And so she knows that her grocery bill is going up. She knows that every time she goes to fill up her truck, that it's more and more expensive. And so some immediate relief for Oklahomans, whether that's in the form of a, uh, a sales tax relief on grocery items uh, or some other immediate relief to combat inflation, seems to be something that I think isn't just necessarily a campaign gimmick, but something that most Oklahomans desperately need right now at this moment. Neva. I think that's exactly right. And I think what we saw, if we remember, it was the House uh, uh, Republican lawmakers and uh, backed by Speaker McCall and the leadership team who put a plan on the table that would offset uh, uh, possible tax cuts. And they actually did that without uh, dipping into any of these dedicated funds that are set aside for these economic development projects. So um, the problem was the Senate had no appetite for it. The uh, uh, Senate pro tem treat basically said that, uh, you know, that there were all of these uh, projects on the table, major investments to look at uh, on the economic development front, and that uh, there was just no no way that they were going to be able to entertain anything in terms of uh, the things that had been laid out there, whether it was uh, uh, the grocery sales tax, whether it was uh, some of the other items, I think even um, um, Representative Virgin mentioned suspending the gas tax, I think in her, um, in her uh, news conference earlier this week. So there are a lot of things that are out there and certainly it is a, a live conversation that I think we'll continue to uh, have folks talk about whether anything happens between now and the next legislative session. I think that's the big question because clearly until we get uh, some resolution between the two chambers that there's some movement uh, possible, uh, we can have conversations all day long. But I think, you know, I think when you look at the political landscape and you look at where we are with the economy, I mean, folks are hurting in Oklahoma 
Oklahoma like they are across the nation. We have, you know, we have a, a definite problem. And uh, now we have, you know, I think uh, added pressure on these uh, uh, lawmakers and certainly even the governor and everyone at the table to say, what can we do about it? Let's not talk about it. What are realistic options that we can address and do something about? And let's remember, I mean, you know, special session is something, I mean, they're still in a special session. I mean, uh, so the, the option to do this and not wait until February is certainly there. It's just a question of, is there an appetite for it? And is there a will with leadership to come together and uh, move the needle on it? And that's right, Neva. Uh, uh, Speaker Pro Tem Kyle Hilbert, Kyle Hilbert back in the uh, back during the session. Uh, mentioned whenever they were passing this and then whenever they went into special session, you know, noted then, and I think that he's even you know, said again, that there's a mechanism to address this in special session before the regular session kicks off in February of 2023. So, uh, you know, I think pro temp uh, Hilbert is, is right. It's just a matter. And I think, you know, it's, it's not even a matter, I think at this point of getting Republicans and Democrats together, because I think that they're, especially in the house, uh, you've got agreement that they want to do something with this money. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not House and Senate leadership can come together, because if, if they're not uh, simpatico on something, I doubt that we're going to see them come back in special session to deal with this unless, you know, we have had the kind of these uh, the, these these little spats between the, the chambers before where you might bring the House back so that House members can vote on something going into the election cycle and then force the issue on the Senate which I'm sure that uh, the Senate would not appreciate right now in the campaign season of having to say to be seen as the ones not doing anything uh, about inflation and the, uh, the pressures that most Oklahomans are feeling on their pocketbook. A recount attempt by Oklahoma County District Attorney candidate Kevin Calvey fails to give him the votes needed to avoid a runoff. Calvey needed more than 30 votes to move on to the November election after last month's primary. Instead, he'll be facing Galen Geiger on August 23rd. Neva, did Calvi have much of a chance to change his primary outcome? I don't think so. I mean, I think what the recount showed was what uh, we've talked about even on this program more than one time, and that is that we have an incredibly accurate and secure voting system in Oklahoma, one that is uh, uh, that has been a model that has been looked at across the country. I mean, we what we saw was that something, and I think even uh, the election board, state election board secretary, Paul Zurich said, uh, is that it's something that every Oklahoman can be proud of. We have, we have election integrity. We have the ability for elections to be conducted and for Oklahomans to feel good about how these elections are done. And, you know, when you look at the results, I mean, there were 58,000 ballots hand counted, something mm -hmm. right around that number. And out of that, you had the changes were you had two changes for Calvi. I think you had two changes for uh, Geiger. You had um, no changes for Jackie Ford, and, and I think two changes for Robert Gray, if I remember right. So a handful of changes, uh, less, you know, less than a dozen changes out of the 58,000. And, you know, and at the end of it, you had basically um, a restart of where where they were on primary night. I mean, you had uh, you had Kevin Calvey leading with forty nine point nine seven percent of the the vote finally, and uh, and there will be a runoff on August twenty third. So interesting. Some of the other developments, though, I think in that race, in that you have you had the uh, Jackie Ford and and Robert Gray. 
the other two of the four in the race now have endorsed uh, Kevin Calvey, which I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, certainly when you when you start looking at these kind of races, whether the voters for someone that runs uh, in in the race but doesn't make the runoff, whether their votes transfer to that person they're endorsing is always a big question. But when you look at those numbers, I mean, the two of those folks, they're, they're, they had about a 2,000 vote swing between their total number of 14,000 plus, I think, between the two of them versus uh, uh, Geiger's uh, 12 or 12,500, whatever it was. So you have to think that there's some potential impact on that. But, you know, the flip side is, you have uh, you have kind of the stage set for what may be a little bit of a slugfest, depending on the amount of money that can be spent uh, between now and, and the runoff. And that is that you had Geiger basically saying, you know, the choice is clear. You've got a, a career po- prosecutor himself versus a career politician is his uh, tag for his opponent, Kevin Calvey. So clearly there's going to be, uh, I think, some real uh, contrast there and probably a pretty spirited campaign as we get into August running in the la- into the last few weeks of the runoff. Ryan. Well, first, you know, another big, the big winner in this is the Oklahoma state election system. Uh, you know, our, our election system is not perfect by, uh, by, by any means, but it's certainly pretty good. Uh, and, you know, when, when we can look at the kind of accuracy that we see and the returns that uh, are coming back after a hand count uh, and see, you know, very minor deviations, you know, those, those kinds of instances, you know, just going through this recount, um, you know, if it didn't do anything in terms of moving the needle in, uh, you know, in Kevin Calvey's direction so that he didn't have to compete in a runoff, it did do a, an important public service, I think, in demonstrating the kind of confidence that we as voters should have in the state election system, that the, that the people that get the most votes win elections and that, you know, there's this uh, this paper trail that we can go back and do a hand recount. Um, you know, that's uh, a great thing. And, if you know, Doug Sanderson, who's the secretary of the Oklahoma County Election Board, you know, a big thanks to him for to him and his staff and the fellow uh, members of the Oklahoma County Election Board, David Glover and Anita Toy. Because you know this, and, and everybody that worked in that recount, because this is a Herculean effort. Uh, Secretary Sanderson had originally said that it was going to take weeks, uh, and then here comes the Oklahoma State Election Board, great partners, and Paul Zirax, the uh, Secretary of the Election Board. I think they lent several of their staff to come over and help with the the recount, help speed things along. Again, the people that administer elections in Oklahoma are to be commended. The volunteers that go. That we, you know, whenever you're going to go check in and vote, you know, all of those folks, for the most part, are volunteers. They're not being paid. They're just there as part of uh, their civic duty. So, you know, thanks to them for, for making all that work. You know, Neva said that uh, Geiger saying that the choice is clear. Uh, you know, that's his campaign manage. Uh, that's his campaign message right now. The choice is clear. Uh, career politician versus career prosecutor. I think that Kevin Calvey uh, is setting up a campaign that, and especially if you look at the people that have come out and endorsed him at this point, that the campaign he's trying to run is status quo versus change. Uh, and that if you vote for Geiger, then you're just going to get more of the same. Uh, and if you vote for Kevin Calvin, you're going to get some change. Uh, now, whether that change is, you know, change that people want or not, um, you know, it seems to be resonating because you have, um, you know, Jackie Ford, who is, is a pretty progressive uh, uh, candidate. I mean, the, the fact that she was competing in the Republican primary at all, uh, I think was surprising to a lot of observers. But when you have Jackie Ford, a lot of the Oklahoma criminal defense bar 
that are you know, typically uh, you know more uh, progressive on the political scale, you know they've come out and they're supporting Kevin Kelly, and I think it's not because they agree with him on politics uh, or you know, and, and, you know by a stretch. I think that they just want to see change in the district attorney's office, and so I think that that's really what this is going to be about. And when you walk into a runoff election with the kind of lead that Kevin Calvey has, especially with his name recognition, I mean, here's someone who's been on the ballot as a state representative, as a you know, somebody who's run for Congress, as somebody who's you know successfully run for uh, the Oklahoma County Commissioner uh, seat that he that he currently holds. I mean, those are things that have put his name in mailboxes and in people's yards. And he's talked to voters for oh, probably over decades at this point, maybe close to two decades. I don't see how Geiger can overcome that. So what I really think is going to, we'll see shape up for the fall is a race between Kevin Calvey and Vicki Bahanna. And both of them are going to be saying, we're going to change the status quo. There's going to be change in Oklahoma County. Um, and, you know, which of us is, is best suited to do that. And I'll note that whoever wins that is going to have a, an enormous influence in the direction of prosecutors around the state of Oklahoma, because the Oklahoma County District Attorney, one, can prosecute state agencies and state actors and state uh, actions that happen within Oklahoma mm -hmm. County, which are most of them. And then the second is that they have a big influence in the District Attorney's Council, uh, which you know, tends to set policy and legislative priorities that all prosecutors then get behind. You know, it's interesting, too, talking about Calvi and kind of, you know, the shape of the race. He jumped out on TV first this week, I mean, for the for the runoff period. And, you know, he he clearly is trying to uh, address this issue of the prosecutor image. And, you know, the, the spot basically says that, you know, Kevin Calvi prosecuted terrorists in Iraq when he was uh, in the uh, in in the service and that he'll prosecute the bad guys in Oklahoma. And he's he's using his endorsement by Oklahoma County Sheriff Tommy Johnson very prominently, again, to try to reinforce that law enforcement uh, that law enforcement image. So uh, again, it's going to be, as you say, Ryan, there's going to be a lot of a lot of contrast here. Uh, a lot of what happens in the runoff. I mean, if Kevin Calvey, you know, holds the lead, which uh, when you have 49.9%, uh, it's really, it's really yours to lose at that point. You've just got to, you've just got to do the smart things to move on and not, uh, not blow it. But Again, it's about turnout, which is what I always say. I and mean, when we talk about runoffs, I mean, we're talking about a low primary turnout. And then you take a runoff where, let's say, half of that turnout is, is all that you can expect. It's anybody's ballgame. So when people expect, well, my guy's got it in the bag, uh, he's got, you know, there's no way he's going to lose at 49%. That's the very time when you, you know, when you make yourself uh, vulnerable to some extent. And so I think both of these guys are, are going to have a serious campaign for the next several weeks leading up to August 23rd. Epic Virtual Charter School is apologizing for attacks against a former state senator. The school's board voted to also give $500,000 to Shawnee Republican Ron Sharp, who was targeted in the lawsuit for publicly questioning the administrative practices of the school's ousted and recently indicted co-founders. Ryan, what do you think of this settlement? I think it sends a powerful message uh, that using public funds as, as a state vendor that's, you know, that's receiving uh, uh, public funds to then go and target a state legislator, because that's exactly what happened here, is that they, they've gone, they went and they targeted a sitting state legislator who had the audacity of just doing his job. 
you know, he, he had, he just had the nerve to say, well, wait a second, I've got some questions about this. I, I see some serious concerns here. Let's, let's have an interim study on this. Let's dig into these questions. And when Brad Sharp is doing that, um, you know, let's, you know, go back in time. Not a lot of people at that point were sounding the alarm bells about Epic. Uh, Senator Sharp was among the first uh, to step out and say that there are serious concerns about the management and efficacy of state funds that were being delivered to Epic charter schools and how they were being spent. And for that, uh, he became a political target of Epic charter schools. Um, and not only did they spend money against him uh, and funnel money that, you know, you know, and some of these criminal charges that have been filed seems to have been uh, from state funds. You know, so the, the very state funds that Senator Sharp had appropriated uh, that then went to Epic were now coming back against him in political campaigns. Um, not only that, but they filed a lawsuit against him and tried to chill his speech uh, as a sitting state lawmaker. And so the $500,000 reward, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't for cost, uh, you know, his cost of defending the case. Um, that wasn't for any out-of-pocket damages. That was a message uh, from the courts uh, to Epic Charter Schools, but also to anyone out there that would use their position to try to silence a an important political conversation uh, based on one of these lawsuits. Um, and I think that it's a, it's an important win, you know, to have the, the money just paid out. You've got an apology. You know, whether this is really, you know, turning a corner for Epic, uh, whether Epic's former managers uh, and management are, uh, you know, what that's going to look like. You've got Gary Jones, this, the former state auditor and inspector who was term limited out, now bringing new claims and charges against the former Epic management uh, and, you know, talking about you know, civil lawsuits, criminal lawsuits uh, or, or criminal investigations that they're seeking and new audits that they're seeking. And so I whether all of that's over, that's not over for, for a long stretch, but at least for this part, you know, mm -hmm. the apology and the payment, um, not only in this case, but in future cases, sends a strong message that political actors in the state of Oklahoma, I don't care whether you're Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, Independent, um, you, you be able, you're able to use that role to ask important questions. And you should be able to do that without fear of being sued. And Neva, Senator Sharp was a former client of yours. Uh, so how, how do you feel about this? Absolutely. And I feel it, just what uh, Ryan described. I mean, first of all, three three years later, I mean, it was in the summer of 2019 that Senator Sharp proposed this interim study who basically was just uh, asking questions. I mean, he had concerns about student enrollment, about attendance figures that were being given to the uh, State Department of Education. Uh, and as that began to unfold, it was only a few months later that Epic sued uh, Senator Sharp for libel and slander that year in December. And uh, they wanted, uh, you know, they, they wanted to go after him and try to, um, I think, in, in most people's estimation, intimidate and and try to get him to back off. But that didn't happen. I mean, what he did was his job. And I think even he has said since uh, all of this uh, has happened and the uh, the payment has been made is that uh, he feels vindicated largely because the law the law enforcement findings that uh, now are public record, the criminal case that has been filed against the Epic co-founders, uh, David Cheney and Ben Harris, and also their former finance officer, Josh Brock, that all of this has now come to light. And, and you're right, just as Ryan uh, mentioned a moment ago, I mean, the fact that there is a court affidavit and the, uh, that 
that shows that investigators have records that these extensive political contributions against Senator Sharp were made on on uh, uh, with monies that they had through Epic. And so I think um, I, I think all of that swirling. The long and the short of it is, is the takeaway is that there is a, a there is a process, and I think Oklahoma's anti-slap uh, uh, law, um, Oklahoma, I think most people describe it as the Oklahoma Citizens Participation Act. It basically says, look, I mean, there is protection. I mean, uh, the Oklahoma County District Judge that slapped the five hundred thousand in sanctions under this state law, did it to send a message, just like Ryan said. I mean, and the message was, you don't, this is not the way you conduct your business. And this is not the way you will go, go about having a difference of opinion if there is one. And I think the other takeaway I have is that Epic Charter School now has a totally new governing board. They voted unanimously uh, last week to pay out this half million dollar check to Senator Sharp and the court ordered sanctions and uh, to uh, to give an apology. And I think they clearly are trying to set the stage to say, we're turning a new page. We're going to correct the problems that uh, that have happened on, on the previous watch and move forward. And I think, uh, again, there is every opportunity for lawmakers and citizens to continue to uh, scrutinize and pay attention to any group receiving uh, public monies to make sure that their conduct is is according to the law. Ryan and Eva's comments do not necessarily reflect the views of KOSU, its staff, or management. And programs like this are made possible through support from KOSU members who are listeners like you. Consider a gift to KOSU in support of This Week in Oklahoma Politics at KOSU.org.